Attention listeners, ahead are spoilers. If you do not want these human jerks spoiling the movie, stop the recording, for the rest of you. Do you want to play a game? Hello and welcome to another edition of The Movie Trap. I am one of your three uh, stalwart co-hosts, Zach Powers, joined as always by... And I am a second of those, Chris Boroff. Uh, And I'm the third. My name is Russell Carlson. The third, the least important, as we've all agreed. That's right. That's right. Um, (laughs) Have have not won a round, probably won't win a round. If you have chosen uh, this episode to be your introduction uh, to the show, it's going to be a weird one for a number of reasons. Um, (laughs) Both the movie we're talking about and indeed the format being a little unusual uh, during our Halloween uh, movie competition for a bonus film, Chris uh, walked away with the bonus film that he can inflict on us at any time he chooses. And he chose immediately. So this is not a regular competition round. It is, is not. It, this is mm-hmm. off season shit. That's right. This mm-hmm. is really uh, it's, it's really a movie trap without any consequences. Right. You know, There's like no he's trapped points. us in this movie and he gets no blowback. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. This is, but this it's is also great because I was free to pick any genre I wanted. There was no limits. I could just pick out whatever I wanted to to throw at you guys randomly. This is. And you went full. You went full on, brother. You this certainly is, uh-huh. did. This is a uh, for you um, millennial uh, only 90 kids. 90s kids will remember, folks. This is the master ball of movie <laughs> trap episodes. <laughs> there is no escaping from Chris's 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 choice. And we will not be uh we will probably give our opinions on it, but uh, they ultimately don't matter. Um we'll resume with normal episodes next time, but this is a bonus episode for uh fundamentally. Yes. Usually on this episode we have we each pick a movie in a theme and uh, award at points just in case you decide to return next time and the winner gets to pick the next theme. Um, But uh, as I said, this is not that episode. Uh, This is an episode about the 2018 film Border, a.k.a. Grands, Swedish. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, A very Chris pick. If you're an older listener, you might recognize... This is this is some Chris ass shit. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, I, I won't I won't spoil the summary yet, but I mean, it definitely starts out at one place and goes way way another place. Yeah, yeah. This one it's fun because it uh, essentially does not warn you where it's going until it suddenly is there, and you have sat there for the rest of the film, so you might as well stay for the rest. It's a lot of fun. Um, a, a so, real movie trap, if you will. Yeah, it a really real movie trap. <laughs> um, this film uh, is, of course, Border, as you just said. Uh, it is written by the author, I believe, Lindquist of Let the Right One In. And I believe and also The Snowman. Less, uh, no, no, that's actually, I think that's a different guy. I double-checked that. Okay. Because I think... Yeah, um, this guy's kind of like the Stephen King in Sweden. The guy you're referring to is more like the Dean Koontz in Sweden. Okay. So it's just a whole <laughs> lot more of those books that have come out. They're all spooky-ooky monsters, but you can tell someone's definitely got a solid formula that they are just banging that gong every time on. Um, so, 
This film starts. You know what? In kind I, of you know quiet. what? Just to clarify, my confusion. Yes, my confusion was the director of Let the Right One In, who also did Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, also directed The Snowman. Oh, so. oh, that's a hard turn. That's yeah. too bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my Tinker Tailor was amazing, and they're both um, you Swedish. Sa- <laughs> you could have saved him. I gave you all the clues. Yeah, um, that's a rough time. <laughs> so. All right, well, um, this film starts off quietly enough. There's a, a woman. Um, I will say woman. Um, I will briefly say there is some intersex uh, circumstances in this. So I am assuming um, that this is how she has chosen to... Um, uh, what's the word, guys? It's the uh, portray? Identify. Identify? identify. <laughs> yeah, identify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming she is identifying as a woman. Uh, we'll get into that later. The thing is this. Um, she is working as a security agent at a shipping yard. And she has this unusual appearance. She has kind of a almost Cro-Magnon-like look. Think Geico and, caveman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But not that... It's extreme, but not to the point where you wouldn't expect to see someone like this in everyday life. Like, sure. you'd see someone like this and you'd kind of assume, like, maybe... You sure. know, there's a genetic issue there. There's some sort of a birth defect. Um, but we very quickly become aware of the fact she has an unusual talent, which is to smell emotions. Um, she's very quiet, but she always can kind of tell when people are nervous going through the gate. So she can tell if they've got contraband or whatever they have on them they're not supposed to have. So at the first thing, she catches some kid who's running with a whole bunch of alcohol he's not supposed to have. So they take all that away. And... Uh, eventually, they take you through one or two of these. She meets a uh, person in line, and that person's wearing a suit. And he looks very upstanding, but something's wrong, and she nails him. She points him out of the crowd. She says, pull that guy back here. They go through all of his stuff in the back room. Um, her co-worker's like, I don't know. I don't see anything special about this. It's just some random person. But she locks in and starts sniffing in somewhat of an uncomfortable way the guy's phone. And then finds a hidden SD card. And as soon as it's revealed, the guy rips it out of her hand and tries to swallow it. And then it kind of leads to a a whole fight where they basically have to keep this guy from swallowing the SD card. You come to find out the guy has been trafficking. He chews it up. It's poison. He says, hail Hydra. It's, you know. (laughs) Well, you come to find out that it's like he uh, has been like um, uh, smuggling child porn. So it suddenly becomes a much bigger deal and much stranger because normally she's just catching people with, you know, alcohol and things like that. But now she's found an actual serious crime. So the police pull her in and they're talking to her and they're like, we can't really do more investigation on this because we don't know who the rest of the group is. And that sets up what I would suggest is the B story of this whole thing, which is trying to find uh, out it, it, who the bad guys were. No argument here. Yeah. No argument here. Yeah. It's the B like story. Like a Seinfeld and- episode, the A and B stories do coalesce at a certain point <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um so after that um we kind of go back to her and her job she's not sure what to do next and she meets this man named vor um you find out his name later but he's a man who looks just like her and we're assuming man up front um looks just like her definitely uh, resembles and- more of a guy cave man yeah, yeah. He looks and more like a Geico caveman is what I'm saying. I would say he's he definitely sort of is uh, identifying as male or uh, uh, portraying as male. It was mm. interesting. 
Um, it, it, it is because there, there, this goes on later because there is this whole maternal thing with her too. It, like, yeah, I, I won't want to ruin it, but yeah, that's, I mean like that, I, I think, yeah, there's some, some fluidity in mm-hmm. what their actual sex is, but I think there is a father and mother sort of thing. It seems like it seems sort like, of, well, it's like an attraction. It's well, like no, you I guess that's that not someone, true. I guess that's not true. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we can get into it later, but it's definitely like I would see this as sort of an interesting view of intersex relationships now that that's become more of a conversation, mm-hmm. um, just trans and mm-hmm. the rest of it. The, um, yeah. Presently, but, um, it's worth noting, prior to that, she's in a sexless relationship with a fellow named Roland. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I was just going to mention that because, yeah, she goes home to Roland after uh, meeting this guy. There's, I, I'll say it this way. When she meets Vor, there's kind of that moment in movies that they give you the sense that you're going to run into this person again. Like, there's just a little too much time. There's a little too much looking in each other's eyes. And then you're like, I bet also this is going to be another part of it. Also, the fact that they look exactly alike is a bit of a giveaway. Yes. It's a bit of a giveaway, yeah, yeah. too. Probably it, that, it would, too. It would, it would be it weird would actually... if they introduced him and then he never came back. Right, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, if they did that, then I'd be like, well, what, what was that? anyway yeah that's yeah so um uh eventually uh what happens here is uh uh she goes off on her own and uh we kind of follow her for a little bit um her life is split between work taking care of her father who has dementia and uh the really sad relationship with roland that we mentioned and uh also uh you find out that her neighbors which might be the c story uh are having a baby no um and uh, so she's helping a little bit, and it kind of goes back and forth. Um, the impression scenes. that I largely get from her relationship with Roland is that he is sort of using her a bit because she has a source of income and he kind of doesn't. And uh, he lives with her sexless sort of like mild acceptance in exchange for like free room and board. Yeah, it's like a pl- you, exactly. He's like raising, uh, he's raising dogs and things like that. The dogs yeah, hate he's like, her. He's like, yeah, yeah, the amateur dog show market, right? Yeah, it has the vague sense yeah. of like someone who might have come home from her with a bar or from the bar at some point and just never went to his own home after that. Well, yeah, it is I mean, not a happy time. I mean, they they don't really hide it because you could hear texts and I mean, like they he blatantly does it in front of her. I mean, he's not yeah. really all that ashamed or anything it's yeah, almost he's like definitely he, cheating yeah oh yeah um so uh this all sets us up first 15 minutes uh refusal of the call was the first time she met vor and didn't do anything about it second time she meets vor uh, at her job though she decides that he is up to something she can't read him she doesn't know what he's about but she knows that he is like her and she kind of wants more information true twilight moment where uh yeah where he realizes, I can't read you. I, I can't read you. I can't read you. <laughs> now, to be fair, in my personal life, I also have a hard time reading Vor as a genre. So. <laughs> that is a thing. That popped up immediately. This is one of those ones that if you try doing a Google a Google search to understand the storyline later, you Don't tend to get some odd results. Vor. Put Vor in yeah. the back end of your search. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, what happens is, is that, um, she pulls Vor out of line. They start giving him the full rundown, going through all of his stuff. This leads to an unfortunate thing where she, uh, commits him to a cavity search and she has the male she's working with, uh, take Vor into the back room to do the cavity search. 
At which point you have a very uncomfortable moment as her coworker comes back out and explains that Vor is like her, meaning that he is intersex. And this is kind of the first time we're really introduced to the fact that she is intersex and he's intersex. Um, and we don't really know what that means, but we do know that uh, it was uncomfortable for him to be in a cavity search situation. So it's kind of a power reversal between the two because she goes in the back room and she starts apologizing. At which point, um, Tina, in the very next scene, helps her uh, neighbors deliver their baby. Um, and uh, there's an uncomfortable sequence after that where Vor and Tina sort of bond over mealworms. And there's all these like falling in love sequences that sort of happen. But sort it's of bearing all the lead off. in the falling in love with the mealworms, aren't we? Like, they didn't, it's not like they said, oh, I love them. No, they were eating them. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot to say yeah, that. Uh, yeah, they're 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 right. lovingly eating the mealworms. Uh, right. Vor is like like feeding her mealworms in the same way that like people would be like you know playfully feeding their lovers like strawberries and things, but it's <laughs> worms. Um, and that introduces you to the fact that something is definitely different with these two. They are extremely strange because usually eating bugs is not uh, a fun time to think about. So. Here we go. Um, we see a scene in which Vor is screaming and retching in the woods, uh, and we assume he is doing something. We suddenly see two feet appear from between his legs, and after we've understood that he's intersex, it leads you to think something strange has gone on. Uh, Tina, uh, meanwhile, discovers a horrifying, horrifying child porn ring um, by essentially following her nose up to an apartment owned by uh, someone named Patrick, who we find out is a uh, probably a child photographer uh, in general, who is in some way doing something terrible with children, uh, specifically infants. And they find it by going into his apartment, finding a VHS tape that, again, Tina finds by smelling hidden it. Hidden in a vase or something? Hidden in it mm-hmm. is in a trophy. Is in like a like oh, a soccer right. trophy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, so they arrest that guy, and you assume that Tina has sort of wrapped up uh, the B-plot of this movie. Uh, she goes back to uh, Vor, and they begin a sexual relationship um, after a lightning storm. Um, essentially, we find out that they are both uh, lightning rods, uh, like living lightning rods. They get struck by lightning, and... Uh, in is a, that it, in or are they just terrified of it? I thought they were just I mean, scared. I, it of... just seems like they were just scared. No, they've been, of it. They've been struck by it a whole lot. Like they—that's one of the bonding oh, okay. moments. They like pull oh, okay, the thing out. Okay. They have like uh, okay. the scars. So it's a thing. That where is true. They, it, it, it's a yeah. true. St- I, I've heard that if you get struck by lightning, you're the odds of you. And I should know this because I do have a crippling fear of lightning. So I relate to these characters quite a bit. Um, <laughs> Wait, you have they, odds uh, of getting? Yeah, you, you the like the magnetism around you increases so it's seeking you out more apparently that's what i read i could be totally wrong about that just what i heard that that sounds that sounds far out um so uh, what happens it what happens in this case is that um uh, they wind up in sort of a uh soap opera fashion um in the in the wet of the recent rain making love uh, they go outside, and you find out that uh, their intersex nature was far more complicated than was previously explained. Um, essentially, <laughs> Tina has what would be referred to as a phallus, 
and uh, mm-hmm. Vor is the female in this circumstance. Looks, and uh, looks the, a bit like a, a sort of a mushroom. I mean, as yeah. as they do, but it looks yeah. more like a mushroom <laughs> <Yes>. than normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it looks somehow more troll like, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, they it, the interesting thing is is it's extremely graphic on screen when it occurs. Mm-hmm. We've certainly um, hit our quota, guys, on uh, on awkward yeah. graphic sex scenes. I think we've hit our quota. <laughs> I, I think you know if you were coming here for a TNA, you came to the right place or the wrong mm-hmm. place. Actually, yeah, because generally speaking, we do not cover sex scenes that are like hot. In the no, traditional sense. No, not even close. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we are pulling Zalman King out of the list. Usually it's something a lot stranger and far more like, you know, uh, tennis shoe at uh, yeah. the Goodwill than it is uh, Red Shoe Diaries. That's what I'm suggesting. That's why one of, our, one of the submissions we have for the tagline for this show is the movie trap. There is technically nudity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, yeah, I'm just saying we've hit our quota for awkward and uncomfortable love scenes to watch because this was, this was up there, you know, this was up there. Yeah. Well, uh, to pull it all in, get it done pretty quickly here, uh, Tina and Vor are now in a sexual relationship. Vor reveals to Tina that she is actually a troll this whole time and you have a background reveal that her whole life has been a lie. And uh, then the very next scene, Tina throws Roland out and winds up inspecting Vor's fridge. And this is the first moment you really understand Vor is up to something he's not, or she or they are not supposed to be up to. Uh, there's a box in there, and it's got what appears to be a little dwarf baby in it. And uh, he, well, a troll baby. And uh, she, he, uh, she confronts him with it, and then he sort of explains that this thing is uh, sort of like clay. It's not a real baby. It's not really alive until it's been fertilized. And he's been uh, essentially, like, making these things naturally all the time, but usually he's not around someone to help fertilize yeah. them. It's what's roughly. And, it's like yeah. a, a chicken laying egg. Like a chicken egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then after this, uh, Tina starts suspecting that Vor is somehow involved with the child porn ring because she does uh, interrogation that uh, leads to some more information that uh, the gentleman that this woman is so afraid of uh, giving up the big the big bad behind this whole ring the kingpin the big honk, the kingpin big, yeah the, the source kahuna. the source of the children is uh most likely vor she keeps describing him as having a similar face and then the very next scene after that vor kills patrick yanks him out of police custody custody by creating a subterfuge to stop the car beats the guy to death yeah. behind the car like runs away into the woods summons an elk or something of the nature yeah there's a whole thing that happens in the movie where each time um vor or uh, tina are out in nature you got this kind of communing with nature quality like tina keeps hanging out with like moose and wolves and foxes come up and hang out and she stops at one point because she knows an elk's about to run across the road very strange disney movie it's a yeah. very strange yeah. disney movie <laughs> she's she is a questionable disney princess yes indeed um so finally, uh, Tina confronts Vor. Uh, Vor reveals that his baby is a hisset and that is just an, like I said, an unfertilized egg. And he's been using it to steal babies, including her neighbors. That's the reveal we have right, right. after that sequence. To clarify, specifically what he's doing is he's taking the real baby and leaving the hisset, which is sort of an empty shell, 
behind. Can, can we talk yeah. about that for, that, some, that term? Because I have never heard that term before. We can. Yeah, it's it's essentially it's term? a real term. It's um okay. Uh, it is a term for uh, kind of troll. Like it's um okay. When I looked up the history of this, it's a different um sort of meaning because it's sort of a troll, but it's like a slightly different flavor of troll. Uh, the one detail with this uh, to kind of keep it mentally in mind is how to, they're they're separating it. Uh, when they were translating Lord of the Rings into Swedish, orcs were translated as orcish or something, and all the goblins were translated as hissy or hissit. Uh, basically, okay. to so separate this is those like, two. This is more to do with like Scandinavian mythology. That kind. Of yeah, thing. this is definitely more to do with like okay. Sweden. Um, so it is an actual thing. Oh, However, yeah, okay. it, it's, I think some of the mythology has been sort of glommed on and added to this. So they've kind of taken the basic idea okay. and gone from that. Okay. Um, so there's my challenge bar. If I yeah. want you to continue the rest of the episode without ever bringing up Scandinavian mythology, yes. that's my challenge to you. We've all been okay. on the, uh, Scandinavia, the Scandinavia <laughs> ride at Epcot center that I think is maybe now a frozen ride, but, uh, <laughs> Oh man! When I was a kid, it was just some Scandinavian shit. Probably is well. Stuff. Let me see the final bits of this whole story. Um, Tina confronts Vor, and uh, he runs away. Um, they commit to a police ambush on a boat. Uh, Vor leaves a note saying, "Come to the boat and run away with me." She essentially shows up and says, "You know, I care about you, but you're a monster because you've been stealing babies." And um, she's turning him over to uh, the police. And rather than giving up, he just runs and jumps into the water, which we've seen a few times with them going under the water for a lengthy period of time. But we're not led to believe he can just survive that it's jump. slightly worth noting that Vor has also informed her that part of the reason he does this is because humans have been horrific to trolls in the past. They have mm. kidnapped and tortured them and... There are suspicions uh, that Tina has in regards to her parentage because her dad is definitely not a troll. He's a guy. Yeah. I mean, it becomes clear, too, that like what she goes back to, like, talk to him to kind of get closure on her part of that story. And you find out that he essentially took her in after her parents had been tortured in the uh, psychiatric institution nearby. So it was a thing where, you know, you don't know what the situation was as far as him and the parents was concerned, but you know that he had cared for her after that. Yeah. So Vor, it wasn't Vor, quite as evil a thing as Vor had let it to seem like it was going to be. Yeah. Though Vor, Vor, like, truly despises humans. He thinks, like, they're a scourge upon troll kind, as it were. <laughs> yeah. He's not a uh, an empath... He'll grind he's their bones to make his bread. Yeah, he's not a sympathetic troll, but he's an empathetic troll. Like uh, I think that I think I use that correctly. You can you can understand his circumstance without actually agreeing with the circumstance. Yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, anyway, what happens is is that uh, this thing goes back to Tina just living in the woods on her own now. And as a closer on the film, uh, a box arrives, and you find out that a living hisset. Troll baby is in the box, and you assume that what most likely happened is that Vor came to term and sent the baby to Tina to take care of now. And that is border. Yeah, uh, <laughs> roll credits. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a strange one um, because I like I said, this is some Chris shit. Yeah, that's yeah, man. <laughs> it, it definitely you definitely threw it on this one. 
because um, like again when it was when I when it was just the fact that she was just an unfortunate looking woman and even the fact that met a man who was also unfortunate looking similarly like I thought that that was a fine enough story when they threw in the troll stuff although I didn't know they were trolls I just thought they were just you know Saiyans or something because they had tails or whatever but um that makes sense, but now I now I can't get Shrek you out of my head. Although they were, they were the, ogres. Swi- the Swedish creature uh, Saiyans. Yeah, that's of course, right. From the yeah, Swedish right. anime the Dragon Ball Z. Z. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Okay. Um, yeah, tail so see, babies. You, you, you told know. me you told me not to bring up Scandinavian mythology, hey, I, so I'm just I, gonna have I, to I, nod I, at you. <laughs> that's right. You know, I thought when <laughs> she, she bore Goku, and uh, when the when the when the movie introduced Frieza in the third act, I was like, this is <laughs> truly a weird direction. Um, but yeah, I um. And then it kind of goes into this weird sort of almost fantasy realm of, you know, werewolves and goblins and what have you, um, without really giving you much warning that it's going to do that. Um, It just kind of goes into it. And then you're like, oh, okay. I thought I was operating on this reality, but apparently there's this whole other reality that really makes this whole reality that I've been dealing with for, I don't know, half the movie seem kind of like, uh, well, then I don't really care what happens to these babies. Um, you know, like, and anyway, sorry. I'm well, keep well, actually, I'll make, a, I'll make, I'll make a, uh, a question to you there. Uh, a couple That's questions. Not, I don't, what? uh, well, my understanding, just to clarify the pedophile part of the movie that is, you know, very much a part of the movie. Yeah. There is a, Sex trafficking child ring. QAnon would be proud. Um, (laughs) Jesus. But yes, what is happening is Vor is, I guess, a child sex trafficker who uses these clay dummy babies to steal real human babies that he sells to human sex traffic rings with the intention of making the people who run these rings self-destruct in part, but also ruining the lives of the children. I was about. There's got to be a better way to do that. You saw him well, manhandle a dude with his bare hands. I mean, I, just I, mean, saying, I think the I think the uh, kind of understanding saying, is is that the 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 children don't survive this. I think that was kind of the idea in the film because the the babies yeah. are being left, and uh, it's it's also important to say that the babies when they're left look like the human babies. Like he's he's done something to them so they look them. the same. He said they them, look, they're then, made out of clay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so he molds them to look like the human babies. Yeah, However, they happens. return to their own shape after a couple days, and that's how the big reveal happens that the baby is not the baby that he actually stole her neighbor's children, child. Right, because like the neighbor's kid just becomes suddenly sick and just like lethargic, and right. she's the only one who kind of kind of knows why. Um, but yeah, it it was just a la- just to sort of take such a big gear shift between going on like the 405 and then just going on, you know, La Brea, mm-hmm. you know, like that's a different, it's a different, you're, you're trained your brain so much to do it throughout this movie. And then yeah. to, to get off and to do such a speed shift, it makes it not only disconcerting, but almost like, well, if you're going to waste my time through half the movie, what makes you think you're going to waste my time through the I other understand, half? Yeah. Like, uh, I think that, like, obviously, her job is, of course, uh, she is, like, security for things coming in and out of uh, Sweden. 
And I think obviously the connection, of course, is like cultural relations and cultural animosity being the main thrust and and being ingrained in a culture that has perhaps been historically predatory upon your own. Like, that's all the point of the theme. However, if your revenge is like literal child trafficking, man, you took it really far. You went in a weird direction with your revenge, my friend. <laughs> I mean, well, evi- is evidently, it that was that was a thing that was added by the director. That was one of the things about this, because the, the original story was much shorter. Um, so... It is interesting what things got changed or added by the director and what things you guys are potentially having issues with because the child well, trafficking thing was added. And I understand um, also the, kind yeah. of why that was added because sure. Tina herself was stolen away from her parents as a child and raised in this foreign culture. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it gives the characters a place to go. So it does solidly, you know, attach the A and the B stories together. So it's not just random things happening. But I would put it to you guys this. I, I have a question for you both, though. What genre is this? Because I recognized it is a um, procedural. But beyond that, it, you know, it has... What do you guys think? I, I, it's like I a mean, light you, fantasy genre, uh, drama. Yeah, I mean, if you mm. told me it was a procedural, then I watched it, I'd be pissed off. Um, I, again, I guess it's just because it starts out with such a sort of mundane procedural sort of plot, and then to go into this sort of weird, you know, Tolkien yeah, land. It jumps, it jumps um, into magical it, realism at one point, yeah. Yeah, and I and I sort of... I, uh, uh, so the genre that I would probably put this in would just be, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's... Uh, surreal drama really I mean it's it's I, I, it's a stretch to call it fantasy just because you're dealing with fantastical beasts and where to find them but it's 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 more or less it, it doesn't really matter that they're ogres or trolls or anything like I said it, it the movie would have worked if they were just ugly yes you know the, the yeah. metaphor still plays if they're uh, if of they're course, just ugly with the best fantasy or horror or genre fare like the metaphor has real world analogs but yeah. You know, and that well, doesn't make it, it and less it of that genre. Leaning in, it's it starts out leaning in so hard to those analogs, and then and then I thought it was just going to go to the whole transgender thing and the whole you know gender is fluid and that kind of thing. I thought that's where we were going to go to too, and that was going to be a completely different wrinkle than just your mundane procedural. Then and even that, there's another wrinkle in between that. You know, mm-hmm. like it it takes you on such a for being such a slow paced movie. I mean, this movie is really really patient. It's it's it, there's a lot of quiet meditative moments in this movie um and and not a whole lot of rising tension throughout it really um up until like pretty much the the car ride home with the guy beats gets the shit kicked out of him um so it, it for it being so kind of static although i mean the camera's not static but it, everything's just real quiet the fact that the plot jumps from wrinkle to wrinkle yeah. to wrinkle is a bit fucking you know you do get a bit of whiplash there's still movie yes like it, yeah. it 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 moves slowly it takes its time it it you know it, it, it seems it like the film gets build. more chaotic it seems like it's more chaotic as um tina is more involved with the people around her like whenever yes. she's off in the woods is when it really kind of just becomes a more of a mood piece but then as soon as she goes into any circumstance with people the cutting's usually a lot faster there's a lot more people interacting. There's a lot more things occurring. Sure. Um, 
And she and like I much of her. I think most of the most of the horrible reveals also happen indoors. That's one of the other things. Like hmm. everything outside is usually handled as very pretty and hmm. enjoyable, except for the lightning. And hmm. it, it's worth noting that this is so Tina learns something about herself um, by the end of the movie. Actually, she scoffs when her dad refers to her as Tina because she finds out her original name is Reva or Reva or something. I don't know the exact pronunciation. Um, And at the end of the movie, she has purposefully and clearly alienated herself from the strongest connections she has to both human society and the sole connection she has to troll society. Um, and ultimately is like in a way more alone, but is more truly who she is, I guess, if that makes sense. Though she does yeah. obviously receive that baby in the, the final baby. scene. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think her, her, the drive is, is, is procreation, you know, I, because there's that moment where she drops off her neighbors and she just kind of looks longingly outside of the hospital. And, and I kind of got the sense that there was this sort of maternal instinct within her that she needed to fulfill and and vor was sort of that for her too because they're both kind of cowering in the lightning and she kind of like take cares takes care of him in a strange way um and then you know once he gets violated by the cavity search she she kind of takes a more you know like i'm sorry you you have every right to throw a complaint and then kind of like seeks him out uh, yeah, that, that well, that, yeah, there's, that happens in the start. Like, there's because she meets him, and it becomes a thing where you can almost get like a sense of like uh, the dark and mysterious stranger from this person. Like, she's like you, you don't, you get a sense that something's up with Vor. Like, it doesn't feel like a completely mm-hmm. easy experience. Like, it feels like there's some tension, and then when that happens, it kind of flips it. So I think in a real way, us in the audience, as she, are probably feeling bad for this character, but it catches you off guard because then your guard's down. And then you find out this character is mm-hmm. doing terrible things. However, I think the thing with the baby at the end, like it's important that they had that because otherwise it would have been a really like a depressing ending. Like at least you know That's that true. like I, 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 at least you know the future is that she's going to raise that baby. Yeah, she's going to the baby yeah, yeah. right. raised <laughs> knowing it's a troll. You know. And the other thing right. is, she also receives. Uh, this is something we maybe glossed over, but uh, uh, Vor mentions there's like a colony of trolls in Finland. And with the baby, she receives a postcard from Finland, implying that she Mm. is welcome to rejoin her own people, I suppose. Um, But yeah, I mean, if it weren't for that baby, if it weren't for that last scene, this would have been a movie where Tina ended up deeply isolated. The last scene would have been her abandoning her adoptive father who sort of stole her. From his parents after making taking like an, a job abusing and torturing her native people and then visiting the grave of her dead parents, which would have been a, a pretty, pretty downer ending, I imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really didn't even have a problem with the tail baby at the end. I, I thought, OK, so it's kind of a, it, it is more about like getting in touch with who you are as a people, you know, and again, we could have done without the ogre shit. You could have done this with fucking anything, so, but I, I, so, I, I, I sort of get why they did it to sort of keep it to, to, to throw you off track, you know, because again, such a patient movie to have such a whirlwind of a plot. It, it, it thought that it doesn't work. I just didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you like uh, let the right one in? 
No, not really. You know, I thought no? it was okay, oh, okay, but I didn't love it. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it, we watched saying... it for the podcast. We watched it for the podcast. Oh, um, um, and I I thought it was pretty good, but I didn't I didn't love. Did we watch it for the? Podcast? I do like good gravy. I think so. I can't I remember. I, I saw it originally. I saw it originally before we did the podcast, but I will say, I re I, I think Let the Right One In is really solid. I really like that movie. I like this movie all right. I think it, Let the Right okay. One In. I mean, they both this author very into I guess like weird forced genital reassignment stuff because that's it's definitely a, a theme a, in both those there's movies. There's definitely yeah, a lot of has, Kafka, Kafka, you know, like metamorphosis yeah. and that kind of shit, you know, like. Well, he has a lot of transgender stuff in it because the the uh, the yeah I agree with that because the vampire it's, in the vampire child in the other one did have a transgender circumstance. He used but to be a boy. It wasn't even yeah like it's not so much transgender as almost it seems like based on the scars that happen in both movies it is forced reassignment. Well, it's for not trans- the. Well, yeah, okay, I understand what you mean, but um, the the kid basically had gender reassignment to a degree because he's then um, yeah is portraying right. as a child as a as a as a girl uh, when right. we meet the I'm vampire just, child. Uh, I'm just drawing the distinction Tina, between. Obviously, I think, I think Tina was just born that way because it looked. That was the thing that I actually wanted to ask you guys about. Because like, uh, what was this when this when the sex scene occurs? Just, I was just. I'm kind of a child. I, I guess, kind of wanted to know I'm, what I'm the sorry. circumstance was like. I confused something. I'm thinking about the scars that are related to. I think they both had prenatal tails that were removed. That's oh. right. That's yes. right. Yeah. yeah. See, that's what I thought that was during that sex scene, Barf. I thought it was her tail coming back. Like that's that. That's what I thought that was. And then and then the <laughs> okay. thrusting began, and I was like, oh, that is not a tail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that one, uh, I had this one suggested to me by a friend with no warning, and I had a similar experience to that, where the sex scene came up, and I was very shocked that it was so graphic, and it didn't <laughs> leave anything to the imagination. So, you know, I'll admit that while I did like this movie a lot and I thought it was good, I also wanted to go ahead and show you guys something that would have a scene in it that <laughs> was so what the fuck that would make you guys wonder, like, how I didn't expect that. I, I know, guess did it's you just, guys, this is just payback for Zach. No? This is no, of, no, of course I didn't. No, but I think this is just payback for Zach doing. Um, um, don't look now. Chris for loves that weird, don't look now. And then and then I love and don't then, look now. Yeah, but th- that awkward sex scene. You have to sit there and watch it. I mean, that's really your favorite part of the fucking movie. You know, and then I, you know, the lighthouse is punishing me for the weird mermaid sex scene. You know so what? that's that's how I figure. This is our. I'm gonna be honest, with you, man. I'm not too bothered by weird sex scenes. Like, really graphic rape scenes make me uncomfortable. Sex yeah. scenes that are like this, or Don't Look Now, or The Lighthouse, whatever, it's fine. I don't give a shit. They, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's not it's not that it's graphic in that it's like I'm blushing and I'm like, oh my, <laughs> it's just yeah. not like WAP or anything. Um, you know, but like I, it, it, <laughs> it's a good song. It, it, fuck yeah, that song's a banger, dude. I love that song. Um, uh, but it, all of our sex scenes thus far have either had something to do with some mythological creature or very, very awkward and uncomfortable for everybody involved. And with this one, it's both. <laughs> so this is yeah. This stuff. I, this would not be a big deterrent for for me. For like. 
So for about, God, it's probably been 12 years at this point. I have heard that, technically speaking, Irreversible is a great movie. And I have never been able to bring myself to watch Irreversible because I know that there is a very intense rape scene and I don't want to watch that ever. Yeah. Yeah. The the rape scene's intense in that. But I would would go so far as to say that the entire movie is a reason not to watch that movie. <laughs> it um <laughs> okay. It's it's uh it's definitely part of the French extreme, so it's really violent, it's really gory, but man, Gaspar no, he's he's kind of like Lars von Trier in that sense that you watch mm. it and you're like, "Wow, that is some technical artistry that took some real intent to do that. It's amazing they could do that, but at the same time, I feel like I'm going to vomit and it's unpleasant and some of his movies are, I, I would go so far I, as to say, were, kind of boring. If I was, if I, oh, really? Would you say that? Because we did do a Laws Ron Trier double feature in the film concussion well, no, days. I and mean, the first I movie mean, I thought of, if I was able to award a point, I would have done it to you because you brought up Laws Ron Trier. Because the first movie I thought of was every time one of these animals came up, I just kept waiting for a little fox to say, Chaos Reigns, yeah. you know, and yeah. because we did that Antichrist movie, I, which is also kind of I haven't of seen Antichrist, but I have seen that uh, that clip, that five-second clip, yeah. about a million times. It's the highlight yeah, that, of the movie. Yeah, uh, that, that <laughs> gif, that, that whole movie, it's a feature-length movie setting up one gif. So that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, you don't need to see the rest of that. There's a whole lot of just uncomfortable William Defoe right, uh, naked. Right, yeah. Yeah, it oh, opens with scenes. like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It opens with it. You it's thought the pers- lighthouse was awkward. <laughs> that was tame, <laughs> that was folks. awkward, Defoe. That's tame, uh, Defoe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Defoe goes yeah, from was... fucking Spider Man to Antichrist, <laughs> and lighthouse right. is right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, somewhere you don't know how correct you are. Yeah. yeah. It is similar. I thought of Antichrist was the first movie I thought of just because like I felt, okay, this is a movie that's going to make me be uncomfortable. Um, And it wasn't really that uncomfortable. It's just that I was uncomfortable where the story was going. And so I had to kind of retrain my brain. Okay, now we're doing this now. Um, And and maybe it's just my, you know, old age now where I'm just like, God, I have to do so much maintenance to watch this movie. Um, You know, it, 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 it seems... Uh, jarring and and again very much a Borf pick because I wouldn't expect a Borf pick that wouldn't make me fucking work for it so uh, well uh, well done <laughs> well if I get another shot I will do something a little bit more fun and exciting and strange but yeah, yeah, um, yeah you, you are going to get another shot you're picking the next movie oh God, yeah that's right yeah, I guess we're, we're yeah, all going to find out thrillers. On the, yeah. I think you've already yeah. said in the previous episode yeah. what it is but yeah. we'll, 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 we'll readdress that we'll later readdress that. Um, yeah but yeah no I, and, and I will say I, I want to talk a little bit about the main actress um, because I thought that you know even though I did really enjoy the movie she was fantastic. Yeah, um, her her name like is uh, that- Ava Ava Melander, and the other gentleman was Aero Milanov. Uh, that was who played right. Vorm. Yeah, I looked yeah. up. I didn't look up the fellow who played Vorm. Uh, I assume this is also the case for him, but uh, I did look up uh, the woman who played Tina, and she is definitely uh, in heavy prosthetic. That is not a natural like. Um, genetic. Uh, uh, no, she's a she's a very yeah. attractive woman. She's completely normal looking. Um, they actually it's, it's kind fun of a, when you go around for a while. Oh yeah, she's pretty well known. The makeup like, is, this is very uh, much. I, I will say the the makeup is excellent in in terms of I I did not know very convincing. Yeah. Very convincing. I did not. Yeah, know this whether... is definitely on the level of like uh, makeup roles. This is similar to Monster when Charlize Theron. Uh, 
dr- mm-hmm. sort of dressed up as that. However, this is also something that um, they went. There's some really fascinating interviews with the uh, makeup people on this. They went into detail on the fact that they went for like a full Cro-Magnon look at first, but then it looked a little too much like the Geico commercials. So then, <laughs> so I wasn't going, alone. <laughs> you weren't alone. So the director sat there and they worked back and forth until they had pulled off enough that she looked acceptable as a normal human being, but it also was very clear that she was Cro-Magnon. And then they had to figure out how to get that makeup on in roughly four hours, as opposed to taking like eight or nine that it had taken them. So it came down to like four pieces of prosthetic. Um, Vor is, I think, a similar thing. I think Tina probably got a little bit more work. Vor, uh, the actor himself, has a very wide face um, and also has uh, very pronounced male features. So they just had to like really sort of uh, bring out his eyebrow ridges and his nose a little extra. Um, both very attractive people, but yeah, they it took a little bit of work to get them to look like Cro-Magnon. Yeah, you can just think about, you know, okay, you got to wake up at five in the morning, put on this mask that you got to go wear, and now you got to go stand naked in a frozen pond, you know, so good uh-huh. on her, really. Well, well, good, good sport. Um, and that's, it, 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 and I think more to the credit of the acting that, it's not just the prosthetics that make her seem animal and beast-like. You know, the way mm-hmm. she reacts to Roland kicking her out and the way she even reacts to the dogs right at the beginning of the movie. Um, it, you know, I almost thought like, oh, this is one of those horror movies that I don't know is a horror movie yet. How more FS is that? <laughs> I, I know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you thought but, she was going to kill the dogs yeah, or something like she was become like, a yeah, monster. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It turned out to be far more tame, just killing babies. Well, well I mean, didn't, she didn't kill any of the babies. They uh, they trafficked them for sex. So. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that, that you don't know what happens to the babies, but it's probably mm, bad. Uh, yeah. It's probably a pretty grim we, ending. We, we got some guesses. Yeah, there's pretty heavy inferences that Vor is working with pedophile rings. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, you know that, but yeah, I, uh, yay, 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 yay. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things where there's like a, a real hard left turn in the middle. So everything's a nice kind of safe movie until suddenly you're like, oh, this isn't just a slightly dangerous circumstance. This is going all the way dark. Well, I mean, if we uh, had just stuck with a pedophile ring, it would still just be a procedural. You know, then it would still just be her hunting down a pedophile ring and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but adding this whole um, fold into it is sort of what makes you... Yeah, where you, the, the shock of the pedophilia ring isn't really doesn't stay with you as the the you know sex the awkward sex scene you just watched um or the fact that they're not really human that's all very Um, much off screen it's worth noting uh for those of you considering watching this movie like uh who are deeply disturbed by the presence of something like the pedophilia subplot like the degree to which it's off screen is pretty high there's one moment where they are watching a tape that you don't see and you hear sounds of abuse, but that's the most extreme moment in the entire film. Yeah. It's handled roughly the same way as like grizzly man where, um, uh, Wolfgang, mm. I can't remember the, uh, famous German director. Everybody knows this. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. You don't know Werner Herzog's name. Oh my God. My vein, my brain just died. <laughs> but yeah, Werner Herzog. It's like in Grizzly Man where he's listening to the recording of Timothy Treadwell being eaten by the bear. It's like, you know, you kind of get the inference and you don't hear it as much, but you kind of see more of a reaction. And the, the guy who discovers the tape looks very, very sick. Uh, that said, 
Uh, I will point out that um, DoesTheDogDie.com exists. So I've been using it for a lot of stuff because uh, we both have dogs and... Uh, uh, or Sarah and I have do not dogs. ever tell my wife yeah. about this webpage. Do not ever. Well, we're just gonna. Well, the deal it. is, she watches every week. So, honey, you just don't I, ever I go mean, to that website. My we're girlfriend just gonna, knows honest, about it for sure. Yeah, because it's. And, I actually uh, have, this this. I I swear by it, and it's been very helpful because the thing is, is that if a dog dies in a movie, my uh, my excuse me. Uh, my wife will be very upset and it will ruin the rest of our evening. So we check before we watch, but it also includes other things. So if you have unusual cases of like tryptophobia or whatever that is with the little eyes, if you don't like seeing people bite their fingernails, all of these sorts of things get marked and labeled as a Wikipedia sort of searchable thing. So you can find out before you get into a movie if there's anything that's going to trigger you too badly. It's and I think it's important, like, uh, so for this, for instance, this movie, my girlfriend, her general strategy is she'll often, if she's unsure about a movie because she's not particular about spoilers, she'll read about it ahead of time. She had, before we watched this, uh, read about this movie because she remembered seeing trailers for it that I actually didn't remember seeing when we went to, like, the indie fucking movie house a few years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, yeah, I can't watch that movie. And I think it's almost certainly because of the child sex stuff. Um, I don't think she would give a shit yeah. about the troll sex scene, to be honest with you. And yeah, yeah in, and in, in hindsight, like, I probably should have I probably should have warned you guys in hindsight. That was actually not great. On I, my I, I don't part, have a lot I forgot of there was such a serious section. I have to admit, I don't have a lot of like things that are like this is just a deal breaker for me. Uh, so okay. that's fine. I, I don't feel the need for a lot of warnings, but like for some uh, people it's important. For instance, with again, with my girlfriend, the first episode of the second season of The Wire, like put her off watching it for like a year. Like we couldn't get over like a certain thing that happens in that episode involving transporting humans. Ah, yes. OK. Yeah, I will not say anything, but yes. Um, no, I, mean, I, really, I, I still haven't it, finished it, watching I, The I, Wire, I a, so I'm not sure. <laughs> fucking heathen. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> but I, uh, I, it, it, um, I, I have a pretty high threshold of what I could tolerate in a movie, obviously, because I sat through this movie. Uh, but it, 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 when it comes to <laughs> child pornography, I think most directors, when they want to do it, do it tasteful enough to where it is something that is not celebrated and should not be watched. Like I, 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 it immediately comes to mind is the the last the penultimate episode of uh, True Detective when Matthew McConaughey shows Woody Harrelson the tape, then they blackmail the uh, one dude from Deadwood in it, and um, everybody's reaction. It, you only see the reaction of them watching the tape. You don't actually see the tape. You barely even hear the tape. I don't even think you hear anything because I think it's all quiet. Um, so you just see their reaction. That is okay with me uh, because that signifies. What the, you don't have to know what it is to know it's, it to be terrible. You don't have to see the, it to know it's terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah like um, that's a classic horror movie. Uh, like way back in the day, like stick like a, 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 a dogma. It's like don't show because what the audience imagines is probably going to be more horrifying than what you could put on screen. It works both ways. Yes. Um, yeah. Like showing sexual abuse of children or something like that is very triggering for people. But at the same time, there is a benefit to just 
not showing the most horrific thing in your movie because you're going to fill in that gap in your own brain and it's going to be more intense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I, you know, you know, think of what that sex scene with the ogres could have been. Um, if they have to see well, that, I mean, it's like it's definitely like a silent scream type thing because yeah, that's that's very common uh, to see like the reaction, the emotion, to understand the emotional uh, reaction and the level of emotionality behind something rather than actually having to see it yourself. Because there's also the fact that a lot of times in these things, um, I've noticed within horror films specifically, what is sometimes horrifying to someone on screen wouldn't be horrifying to someone in the audience. In this case, it's very clearly that it would be horrifying. But a lot of times, if you go back to like 1950s, you'll see someone like being eaten by a giant ant <laughs> and uh, they'll cut away to someone screaming. And the scream is supposed to be scary. But if they actually had shown someone being eaten by a giant ant in the 1950s, I'd probably just laugh. <laughs> so it definitely, I think, is a good way to uh, broadcast that to the home audience in all eras, because it's very hard to understand how intense an emotion would be to something out of the context. So, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, seeing a giant ant alone would be, ah, what the fuck? But anyway, um, but mm-hmm. a giant ant in the 1950s, cons- you better believe it. I would probably laugh my ass off. I'd probably be like, okay. I have to concede. <laughs> nice. If I saw a giant ant in real life, I'd probably be pretty fucking scared. <laughs> but, if probably one, for terror. but if I saw one in the movie <laughs> Them, I probably wouldn't be that frightened. <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh, uh, them is a classic, guys. <clears throat> Well, anyway. put it uh, on the list. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I've never I've never seen it. I know what it is, but I've never seen it. It's, well, we'll do yeah. giant animals. You can do that. I'll do Night of the giant Lepus. Animal. Right. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. God, no. Yeah, yeah. No. You, can, you, can, oh. you can pull uh, uh, Food of the Gods, Carlson. I'm doing the, I, I'm doing the Amazing Colossal Man. No, I'm, I'm doing... Uh, fuck you. I'm doing a fucking... Uh, uh, honey, I blew name? up the baby. You do Honey, I blew up the baby. Guy's name? Damn it, I can't think of his name. Honey, I blew up the baby. That's, yeah, that's, I'll do Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Um, honey, uh, I blew it, up the baby. So, yeah. Yeah, Honey, I... Hey, Brett, 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 Brett. Um, I think that... Um, going back to Border. Why is it called Border, Borif? Uh, well, in Sweden, it's called Grals. Yeah, well, she works on the border. She's on a border security okay. agent, and she's probably at the border of humanity. Okay. And she's on uh, the okay. outskirts okay. of society, right, so she's that, always that on was, the border. That was that was my interpretation as well. I uh, thought that, like, being on the border of human and beast she, or whatever. She on the border um, of uh, uh, self-discovery. On the, on the yeah, border, we're on the border of, of Sweden to Finland, where the, where the rest of the trolls live. So yeah, per, per, could be anything. Per the internet, um, Gros translates to border, frontier, boundary, restriction, limit. It's kind of hmm. a vague, but okay. I, I do think that it's sort of what uh, I mentioned earlier. Like she works as a person who inspects people coming in and out of the country. She herself has a strange relationship with the country that she lives in because she is an outside person or really frankly the species she lives in and she exists on that fringe somehow both within and without obviously she finds vor abhorrent in what he does and ultimately repudiates him and at the same time pushes away every human person that is especially close to her because she also finds them 
irreconcilable with her worldview. She is literally on the border between these two worlds. Well, it's also uh, like she's—he's abhorrent to parts. Like the obvious things of him stealing children, she's abhorrent to. But then, like, um, he introduces her to things that aren't accepted in human culture that are something that has always been true about her. Um, so he helped open her up to that. Like the, for instance, eating insects. <laughs> Uh, they never really explain what the insects do to them, but it's always a thing that everyone else, I think all most people would not want to eat insects. So the fact that it's like one person accepts her interest in eating insects and that maybe it's not weird to eat insects was another thing that went on in there. It was interesting. Yeah. And there are aspects of human life that she is not completely irreconcilable to. Again, the maternal instinct, she is kind to her neighbor who has the baby stolen and she works in tandem with the police to stop this horrific pedophile ring like there are aspects of morality like she says something at the end on the boat something about how uh she thinks this uh i don't remember the exact quote but it's the the gist is like this uh this hate born out of revenge is abhorrent her and she doesn't believe in it and that doesn't necessarily make her human, but it might make her amenable to the ideas of humanity. Yeah, I think it, it might have been yeah. last lines. Um, Tina, I don't see the point of evil. Vor, so you want to be human? Question mark. Tina, I don't want to hurt anyone. Is it human to think that way? I think is the question. That's the that one she thinking, poses yes. to him on the boat. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, because it sort of Vor sort of implies that to be this troll is to be evil, um, which you know you would certainly think is true considering how trolls are portrayed most of society. Um, you know, and the whole stealing kids, you know, grinding them to make their bones. I understand guarding bridges, well, what have you. you. Know, it seems you like know, he might like have uh, he do. might have they guard bridges. Found a- he might have found a compromise between uh, his morals and what he could blame on his own nature. That's what I think. Like, I don't think okay. it, I think it's an inacceptable, amoral stance, but he just doesn't see people as humans and he's taken a very selfish, right. almost no, uh, his, his rationalization for that to is it. that his yeah. species is evil and that this is, should just be expect, expected of them. I think, I, th- uh, well, I think it yeah. cuts both ways. I think the, the thing is, what you have is a situation where obviously Tina was born of a situation where her parents were forced into this sort of hospital that had a lot of trolls who were tortured and killed very plainly and she was rescued from it and now Vor is coming back and doing something very similar where he is just flatly not regarding human beings as sentient or deserving of life or respect in the same way that once humans felt towards him and I think Tina's Tina's rejecting both in a manner of speaking do we get the sense that these these creatures live long, long lives, don't they? I mean, because this whole I don't know like, if they genocide of trolls, like, you would think would have happened thousands of well, years ago or something. They don't they really don't... say. They introduce that uh, evidently they have, like, special abilities. Like, we get the sense that Vor has been traveling around a lot. Um, right. He also can, I guess, exist underwater, uh, which well, we kind of have a hint of, but then we find crush out. Crush like, a man's okay. skull with his bare hands, too. Um yeah yeah so it, it it i don't know it it does seem like that it seems like an old grudge that he's holding on to you know and that again 
the the social political analogies you can make from that are rich you know there are plenty of things that you can think of that like how far is too much when is retribution just revenge when is justice just you know bloodthirst um it and it seems like this movie wants to go there and it does try to make you go there but again i was too distracted by the magical stuff that didn't <laughs> pay off or anything so yeah, I think it's a missed, I think it's a mixed success in conveying those ideas, but I do think those are the ideas that it was trying to convey. Sure. Ultimately. Sure. And I, I, and it's a well done movie. I mean, like, it's not like it, it's not too long, you know, the pacing of the, of the production gets a little strange because again, she's, she's mostly in wilderness, you know, there's not a lot for procedural. She's really out in the woods a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's not really, she's, you know, busting down doors and taken down. It's very rare that this happens in the movie. Um, well, it bounces so back and considering forth between how, the two stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not, but not even in a jarring way. It's very patient. It, it doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't really overload you with a lot of overstimulating visuals, except for the troll sex. Um, and even the two stories are one fully in the human world and one fully in the troll taped right. up the and they, fridge and there's a little clay baby in there. Sure. World. And, and they converge <laughs> in the end and, and that's, it's satisfying enough. Um, it's just, you know, I, apparently this movie was like really popular. I, I didn't know. Um, but like, I know this director is kind of like a hot thing coming up right now. And, and you know, I know Sarah Silverman had like a whole fucking to do about it. Um, which is great. You I, know, I'm, I'm glad no that idea. movies outside of Hollywood get made. I just read it on the IMDb page, but I don't sweat it. Um, you know, so that means it's totally true. Um, but it, 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 it's nice that you get to see movies get at least sort of, you know, hidden handshakes among movie buffs that don't come from the Hollywood system, you know, that come from foreign countries and stuff like that. Um, especially from Sweden, very rich history of awesome filmmaking coming from Sweden. Um, and this was uh, certainly a movie from Sweden. <laughs> um, it, 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 it certainly was that, um, so that, beautiful uh, part of the it, world though. Beautiful part so, of the world. So would you call that final thoughts on that? What's, uh, yeah, I guess that that's my your final take on thoughts. It? I mean, I, I, right. I, I, it's good, but I didn't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I accept that. Um, this, uh, this is a film I liked quite a bit. Um, uh, of course I suggested it to everybody. Um, I did it mostly to torture Russell to a degree. Um, (laughs) it is a, it's a slower, um, oh, it's a magical realism film. Um, very hard to pin down to a specific genre. However, um, I did enjoy it. Um, I got to the end and was, uh, you know, I felt uplifted at least that uh, things would continue and uh, that it wouldn't be a completely downer ending. Uh, but yeah, I would suggest this to anybody. Um, if you uh, also have friends that uh, uh, enjoy Sweden, um, there's a lot of stuff in there for Swiss fans yeah. or Sweden fans. Mm. Excuse look me, up your, fans. look up your friends' likes on Facebook, and if Sweden is one of them, say, uh-huh. "Hey man, yeah. I got yeah, a movie for if you." you have any- yeah, if it's if baby stealing, like, uh, unfriend that friend immediately and report him to the police. Yeah, if, if it's if it's if it's child trafficking, recommend border and then unfriend and report yeah, yeah. to the police. And call the authorities. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, if they're into Ghost, that's another good tie for Sweden. Yeah. If, you, if you see Ghost as their favorite band, do you know for a fact that they are Sweden fans? Are they on the fans? Facebook page? I think I might be a troll. <laughs> I got a movie for them. <laughs> and it's called Trolls World Tour. That's right, Trolls World Tour. That's right. <laughs> It's called Trolls 2. It's about a little town called Nilbog. That's right, where heavy metal is the bad guy. <laughs> they don't like heavy metal in Sweden, last I checked. They uh, I guess, Chris, are you done? I didn't mean to interrupt with my, yes. my, my no, reverence. I, I, I reached the end of my sentence and pretty much the end of my brain. You are welcome to take us through the rest of this and uh, uh, we'll okay. see where we end so up. So let me give my final thoughts on uh, Border. I think Border is a really interesting movie. Uh, it's the kind of movie that I am glad exists, and I'm glad I want. I'm glad I watched, but I don't really feel like I'm going to revisit ever. Um, I saw a few reviews of it online that were like, "This is really transgressive Lars von Trier stuff." I didn't feel that way um, about this movie. Uh, I felt like it was moderately successful in what it was going to do. I felt like it was deeply unique in what it is. And I don't know. I appreciate movies that are deeply unique in what they are and not without being reprehensibly offensive because sometimes that's a way to be deeply unique that is just cheap and silly. And I think this is unique in a way there where the people who made it had real ideas and thoughts and intentions that even if I don't think they worked for me a hundred percent of the time, I can appreciate the effort and the final product. So yeah, that's how I feel about this movie. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it, <laughs> it, uh, I, this was a classic Borf movie. I do. I pay like he's, uh, yeah. this is a Chris movie for sure. thing. This is a fucking, this is God some Christian. Um, yeah. 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 I, I can tell that I've killed you and a little I want, bit inside I want Russell, to make, so I feel better. I want to make, going forward, this is some Chris shit. A thing that we can say on this podcast. And if people listen regularly, we can start this an episode with, this is some Chris shit. This is some Chris shit. And they'll know what it means. I that's, love it. That Call is out of space? I, Call out of space was some, some Chris yeah, shit. Some Chris, that was some total Chris shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, you know, sometimes I do not flinch when I see Amazon suggest something to me. I'm like, yeah, man, maybe. Funky Forest, maybe. let's go. Let's try it. <laughs> and maybe, you know what? As time goes on, maybe we'll discover what some Russell shit is and what some Zach oh, shit is. Oh, that's too easy. I mean, you know, I, I've already, if I ever Police do Academy. win this, Police if Academy. I ever do, <laughs> if I ever do win this, uh, this, this, this movie trap, the movie trap, uh, I've got a category already in mind that, that is going to be quite different. Uh, be, be quite different. I'm well, excited to, you know, know. to play with the category. One of these days. But, but, one of these days, Zach. One of these days. I'm very excited. I, I myself one. want to play with the categories uh, and and do something a little weird. Maybe a certain director, an actor, or a, something that's not so much a theme. Yeah, I kind of want to pigeonhole you guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I think that'll be fun. But that's a good transition because if we're done discussing Border... We have to discuss what's coming next on this show. That's right. And frankly, Chris, 
Chris picks the movie, the episode before this. <laughs> he picked this movie. God. And you know what? He's picking the fucking next one too because Chris, right. Chris, oh. you have the next theme and you get to start it off. So why don't you tell us? You already mentioned this oh, last man. episode, but for those who missed it. Well, we'll do it one more time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of a monster. I picked out three movies in a row. We're going to hopefully fix that as soon as we get through the next one. And the next one in this case is going to be political thrillers. Um, and I picked out the movie, uh, the old um, old movie, The Parallax View. Uh, old enough to have a young and handsome actor in it uh, by the name of My Brain is Dying. I can only think of Dick Tracy right now. Warren Beatty. Warren, Warren Beatty. Beatty. Thank you. Um, so uh, I had this one. I had this one suggested to me, so I'm going in blind too. Um, I'm excited. Oh my I, goodness! No opinion. Yes, sir. And we should mention uh, for us this political thriller theme. This is the lead up <laughs> to the 2020 election. For you listening, that election is over. <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah. hopefully, I don't know how you feel. You may not want to listen to talking about politics. They're, they probably saw the thin yeah. border and probably ran for the hills. They're like, I don't want to know. <laughs> oh, God. It. Yeah, I mean, it's it's roughly going to be a, the equivalent of all those poor people that got really, really, really into House of Cards and then Trump won. And it came back and everyone was like, I don't right. know how I feel about this. And then ah, everyone got see. me too'd and we really didn't feel good about it. Right, right. Real yeah. politic apparently is not good. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? Um, but yeah, I, I, it, I, I only know the Parallax View just because I've read a Sid Field book, and it's his favorite movie to reference in every Sid Field book I've ever read. That um, might be the so, only way I know it too. I don't think I actually okay. remember anything about the story. I don't I just think I've ever Sid seen Field it. And his two pinches and the whole thing. So we'll see yep. if he thinks this is the one. I will see how this lines up to Sid Field's paint by numbers right. version of script writing. All right. Okay. We'll see how this goes. So we got Chris. Chris, political thrillers. He's got the parallax view. Next week, uh, we'll, uh, two weeks from now, we'll uh, watch uh, and review that. Then Russell will give his pick. And so it will go. Um, Indeed. We're back at the regular movie trap. No more uh, freebies for you. Around boy. Christmas time, <laughs> we might have a special one-off episode. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for that as well. Cool. All right. Well, I guess on that note, I guess it's sign-off time. So uh, we'll go in the reverse order that we opened with, I guess. Um, and I will say that I am Russell Carlson. One third of the hosts. <laughs> And if it's in reverse order, then I'm the next. So this is Chris signing off. I am Zach. We've done this in the most convoluted way, but it is so. You wouldn't know it if it wasn't. (laughs) Uh, Um, Yeah. Uh, So we'll see you next time. Uh, Have have an enjoyable fortnight, folks. Build a smoke. Bye. Huh? Uh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>